The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. What's up, guys? Week number 15, and this team, man, (laughs) it's just third time this season. The Bears have had a double-digit fourth-quarter lead, and for the third time, they blew it and lost the game. So we're talking about a football team that after today is five and nine and should by all rights be eight and six. We're looking at a completely different season, a completely different off season and outlook and, you know, different conversations being had right now if the Bears don't lose those three games. Number one being the 14 point lead we had going into the fourth quarter against the Broncos. The 12-point lead we had with four minutes to go in the fourth quarter against the Lions just four weeks ago. And then this Sunday's 10-point lead going into the fourth quarter, 17-7 over the Browns. All three of those games we lost. And uh, this one was kind of the cherry on top for the because the final moment of the game is just, that's just peak Bears right there. And, and and just kind of how uh, success just wasn't meant to be for this team this year because, man, there were, there were you know, you'll hear me talk about it. It, it kind of became a theme as the game uh, went along uh, in the knee-jerk reactions about how um, it wasn't going to be, as the game evolved, and you, you may have even seen me tweet about this, uh, as the game inv- uh, evolved, it wasn't so much about whether or not a um a, it would be about the team making the fewest mistakes it would actually be about which team could capitalize on the mistakes that were made and that was that became the theme of the second half because in the first half you were looking at a bunch at, you know two teams that weren't capitalizing on the mistakes that were happening in front of them and and you'll hear me detail this in the second quarter knee jerk reaction so I won't say it uh here but this was definitely one where the game got away from us. This was one we should have won and come away with the uh, uh, victory. Uh, and instead, you know, for a team that needed to win out just to have a shot at the playoffs, you can pretty much forget about it uh, now. I mean, actually, this I think it would have been an opportunity for us to get out of last place because the Packers lost today. So we would have both been 6-8. and eight. And I know the Packers have the tiebreaker in, in head-to-head and everything, but... It's nice to think about, uh, but it didn't happen. So let's go ahead and get started in talking about why and how and all of that really fun stuff. This is the Week 15 review episode of the Bears Talk Underground, so let's get to it. Oh, man. What, <laughs> what a draining fourth quarter. That was, and yet another and another example of the Bears not playing a full sixty-minute game. There was, I actually even saw a quote from Darnell Mooney about how he felt like the uh, the offense kind of went into cruise control uh, after the fourth quarter. Like when we went up seventeen to seven, he was like, you know, it seemed like we were content because we were winning and then in the fourth quarter after they scored the touchdown that made it like 17 to 14 or no they made the they, did they kick the field goal first yeah cuz the touchdown yeah cuz um, Amari Cooper's touchdown tied it so you know when they when they scored to I I think he was talking about when they scored to tie now we've got to ramp it up again on offense and it's hard to do that after you've already kind of like downshifted now you've got to ramp it up again it's not always easy to do, and he it proved to be 100% uh, correct because the first half was a defensive battle. Almost the entire first half or first quarter was all punts. I'm pretty sure that it was, actually. Uh, the second quarter, there was some, some fireworks there. Each team scored, and 
I get to talk about something that I've kind of been beating into the ground that I would really like to stop having to talk about uh, and everything, but uh, you'll hear me. I, I cover a lot in that second quarter knee-jerk reaction, trust me. Uh, you know, the third quarter was all Bears, and then the fourth quarter was all Browns. 13 to nothing, they win that fourth quarter, uh, and it all began with kind of the first play of that fourth quarter uh, with the Bears going for it on fourth down. That's really kind of where it all began to kind of fall apart for us. And it's, you know, sometimes it just seems like we're snake bitten. Sometimes we, uh, we can't seem to get out of our own way, the mistakes that we make and, uh, you know, the blunders that befall upon us and, uh, and all that kind of stuff. And today was a, a big mixture uh, of them all because it, it seemed like the, the Bears just weren't getting the calls. Uh, the David and Joku touchdown, his heel is clearly out of bounds, but they called it a, a good touchdown uh, anyway. Uh, and everything, there were some calls that we didn't get that we shouldn't have or that we should have, I should say. Uh, and, and all that kind of stuff. You know, we, we got a couple of lucky breaks early on. Justin Field threw some balls that should have been picked off but were dropped uh, and all that kind of stuff. So it was, you know, I don't know how much of it you want to blame uh, on the weather and everything, but it's like both teams had far more success throwing the ball than they did uh, running it. It's like the the Browns had like 377 yards of total offense and uh, – Flacco had 374 through the air, and uh, they only had 29. They had 29 yards rushing, but thanks to the sacks, that's what uh, knocked the uh, the pass total down. So, uh, or the 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 rushing total, because we sacked Flacco four times for 31 yards, and uh, the Browns had 29 yards rushing. So that's technically a negative two yard net in rushing because of that or do they take that against your passing stats no i guess they do because it shows basically his net was 348 yards passing plus 29 yards of uh rushing on 18 carries so we were smothering against the run today but it's the against the pass and it really wasn't so much against the pass as it was like the big play uh in the past that really killed us uh today because it, it it's not like flacco who was 28 of 44, dinked and dunked us to death. It, it seemed like he gashed us. Whenever he was able to not be under pressure and throw the football, he wasn't hitting one for five yards here, four yards there, three yards there, kind of like how Fields uh, was doing. No, it was very much like here's 15 yards, here's 12. Oh, here's 42 yards, here's 51, uh, and things like that. And, and uh, you know, Njoku with his catches and, uh, and all that kind of stuff. So Flacco ended up, they pretty much abandoned the run because they just flat out couldn't do it. The Bears just would not allow it. They were averaging 1.6 yards per carry uh, against us today. And, um, you know, but somehow they managed to uh, to make it work, and Flacco throws for 374 and two touchdowns, and the Browns win. So, uh, yeah, like I said, in in the first quarter, it uh, it was a defensive battle. I mean, the first half entirely was a first was a defensive uh, battle. But that first quarter, uh, they went back and forth, and there were one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight punts. Well, technically seven punts because the last punt by the Bears was uh, the their first their last first quarter drive that started the second quarter. Um, so yeah, but, uh, it was all punts in the first quarter, just going back and forth. It really wasn't even a feeling out period. It was just that neither defense was allowing anything, uh, in that first quarter. So, um, we'll start with the, uh, first quarter knee jerk reaction and, uh, we'll start working our way up from there. Knee jerk reaction, first quarter bears and Browns. And so far we're entrenched in a punt fest. Uh, it's been more of a field position battle uh, here in the first quarter. Both defenses kind of flexing uh, their muscles. Both defenses missing on turnover opportunities uh, in this one. Montez uh, Sweat had a strip sack on Flacco, but the ball rolled out of bounds before we could get to it. Just a few moments ago, Fields throws a laser to Darnell Mooney, but uh, the Browns step in front of it, nearly uh, pick it off. 
our one we had one huge missed opportunity in the game on offense. Uh, we're running a, a play action. Great block from Komet to isolate uh, Miles Garrett. Fields throws a, a dime downfield to a wide open Robert Tunyon. And it was perfect. It hit him in the hands, and then he juggled it in the air and dropped it for an incompletion. And that was about as close as we got into getting in deep into uh, Cleveland territory. So we've mostly been trading punts, trading field position. Right now the Bears are have the better field position. We're near midfield uh, with the football right now as we enter the first quarter, excuse me, into the second quarter with a scoreless tie. <laughs> so the first quarter really was uh, a much ado about nothing. Like I said, the uh, we had some missed opportunities there. The Montez sweat sack, uh, strip sack, the ball innocently rolls out of bounds before anybody can uh, get to it. Uh, the interception that was missed by the Browns on the throw from Fields to uh, Mooney. But like I said, the one that stung the most was that play from Tunyon because it would have been the biggest play by either offense in the first quarter. And it was exactly what, you know, like it was It was exactly one of those plays we've been dying for the Bears to make more of a, you know, a, a part of the offense. It, it was a, a rollout uh, on the on the you know play action roll out fields rolling to his right throws the ball Tunyon is wide open I mean he's a tight end and he's still got like four steps on the DB that's chasing after him it's a perfect throw it's not like he had to dive for it or anything like that it just he hit it hits him right in the hands and um, you know just kind of juggles it up in the air and it falls to the ground like you just can't believe it. You know, like it was such an easy catch. He made it hard on himself. Uh, it was one of those moments. And, and here I am. I'm the guy that's wondering, why do we even sign Robert Tunyon? We don't even use the guy. I was like, well, maybe this is why. <laughs> maybe, maybe he really chokes it, uh, you know, down his pants when he when he uh, when he, when he's uh, in practice or, or what. I don't know. You know, I, I really was excited when we signed uh, Robert Tunyon. I thought it made all the sense in the world to be a great compliment for Cole Komet, but I also thought he'd be a bigger part of the offense that he ended up uh, being, and and maybe this is why. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, that would have got us into Cleveland territory. It would have gotten us some momentum uh, offensively, but instead it just became, you know, another unsuccessful play that resulted in another punt uh, in, the, uh, in the first quarter. So, you know, it was field position. The Bears were losing the field position battle early on, then we flipped it and we were winning by the end of the uh, second quarter. And when defenses are playing like this, when they're getting after the quarterback, the way both uh, defenses were and did throughout the entire football game, field position is going to be extremely uh, important. So by the end of the first quarter, the Bears had flipped it and were winning that field position game. But, um, you know, it, it was... Uh, that was the only thing that could be won in the first quarter because neither off neither defense coming in there fresh like that was uh, aside from the aside from us not taking advantage of that blown coverage. Uh, you know that uh, that was really the only opportunity the Bears had to to make any headway offensively, uh, and it was really the only opportunity either offense had uh, in that first quarter. So a lot of defensive back and forth. A lot of punts, more of a field position game, and that's what we thought we were in for. I mean, even going into halftime, after a second quarter, that was a little bit more exciting because we had some things uh, happening. At the end of the second quarter, I had plenty to say about what had happened, what should have happened, what could have happened, and what might happen as we move into the second half. Knee-jerk reaction, second quarter, Bears, Browns, it's a crazy quarter, man. I mean, it just, it looked like it was going to start well for us. Uh, Eddie Jackson uh, made an interception, damn near ran it in for a touchdown. And then the craziest sequence uh, of plays takes place. And, and what was, I think at least eight or nine plays were run, but officially there were only four but it results in Justin Fields finding Cole Komet for a touchdown for the Bears to go up 7-0. Then on the ensuing drive, and I hate to be the guy that keeps harping on this one thing, because in, in essence, 
I have noticed how well Jalen Johnson has played this year and the, the strides that he's made, especially for somebody who wants to get paid. But for somebody who wants to get paid at the elite 20 plus million dollar a season level, his failure to make the plays that those guys would make have not only gone, have not gone unnoticed, but they have hurt the Bears almost every single time. First example would be the pick six that he dropped uh, against the Lions. Very next play, they score a touchdown. The pick six that he dropped against the uh, Vikings in a game where points were at an extreme premium. And here we are a few weeks later. Once again, he drops an interception. And on the very next play, Joe Flacco finds Amari Cooper for a 42-yard reception that sends the, the Browns on their way to tying up the game with their own touchdown drive. Now, you also hate to be this guy, but it also feels like the referees are out for the Bears today because there was a fourth and two play where um, I think it was Jalen Johnson. It might have been either one of the corners uh, was held egregiously on on fourth and two and the Browns convert and get a first down and then when David Njoku catches uh, the pass for the touchdown in the end zone when his left heel comes down or his right heel comes down he's out of bounds and even though every scoring play is reviewed the touchdown was confirmed and the game is tied so yeah a lot of defense in this one uh, lots of opportunities for turnovers on both sides uh, and everything. So really, I guess the, the second half is going to come down to who, who makes the fewest mistakes or who capitalizes on the mistakes that are made. Because in this one, there's been a lot of mistakes, but not a lot of capitalization because Justin Fields has thrown at least two interceptions that the Browns have dropped. Jalen Johnson dropped that one uh, interception, the strip sack from Sweat that rolled out of bounds. So I guess maybe it's not so much about who uh, who makes the fewest mistakes? I mean, that will definitely help. But I think it more importantly will be who capitalizes on the mistakes that are made. It's tied 7-7, and the Bears start with the ball. Let's see how the second half goes. So when when you have two defenses playing as well as they are coming into this game and playing during the game uh, as well, there are going to be mistakes because th- these defenses are flying around they're making tackles, making big hits, getting after uh, the quarterback. You tend to see a lot of miscues when a defense is tenacious and getting after their opponent the way that uh, these defenses were. When it's as difficult to run the football as it was for both offenses uh, in this one, and you have to, in order because you got to move the ball, you got to throw the ball to try to move. If you, if you can't get absolutely anything running the football, you got to throw. And that's, you know, you're open up to the pass rush getting after you. Uh, you know, you have your interceptions, the tip balls, especially if you're under pressure the whole time, everything. So it wasn't, that's why I kind of changed my stance on, you know what, it's not really going to be so much about the mistakes that are made. It's going to be on how the other team capitalizes on you making a mistake. And like I said, the Bears were, well, the Bears struck first. With Eddie Jackson nearly running that back for a touchdown and the Bears actually scoring. Uh, when I said there were only four official plays, that's because there were a series of penalties. And I think we had a penalty like on four consecutive plays, which is why there were about eight or nine plays run on the drive, but there were only four official ones because you just repeat the down. Before, you know, we, we, I think the Bears ran a first, a play on first down like three plays in a row, uh, or something. Uh, like that. Let's look at that drive uh, real quick. Okay. First and goal at the one. Second and goal at the four. Second and goal at the two because there was a penalty. Uh, first and goal because there was another penalty. Defensive uh, pass interference. Or excuse me. Defensive. Too many players on the field. The Defensive pass interference was before that. So on three plays in, in a row. Uh, second and goal from the four. Too many men on the field. Cleveland did that twice in three plays. Too many men on the field, so you get half the distance to the goal, repeat second down, so that's why it's second and goal on the two. This time it was pass interference uh, in the end zone on D.J. Moore, uh, or at least that's who the penalty was committed on. And uh, so, okay, so now it's first and goal because the penalty was in the end zone. It's at the one. And then too many men on the field, once again, uh, on first and goal from the one. So now it's first and goal 
again from the half yard and no gain. So we ran two plays in a row on first down, then second and goal, then a penalty. False start. Cole Komet. Uh, we're trying to do like a quarterback sneak or a tush push type play. Cole Komet just automatically just dives into the center of the play before the ball was snapped, so never mind uh, on that one. And then finally on third and goal, uh, the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eighth play run on the drive. That's when uh, Fields finds Komet in the end zone for the uh, the touchdown. And I don't know what it is about Justin Fields rolling to his left because for a right-handed quarterback, it's very difficult because you're rolling to your left, which is your non-dominant side, and you have to twist backwards while still running in the opposite direction. And three plays I can think of off the top of my head, including one today, where Fields has thrown an absolute rope that was just within somebody else's reach but was also put in a place that the our receiver was the only one coming down with it. The first one was in a game against the 49ers when Fields hit Jesse James uh, for a touchdown pass. Then you have the Monday night game during his rookie season against the Steelers where he threw that that rope to uh, uh, Mooney to take the lead before the defense pissed it away and we lose that game. And then today uh, in Cleveland, uh, rolling to his left, finds Komet in the, you know, in the end zone and just a good enough space where Komet can get his feet in before he goes out of bounds. And the Bears are finally on the board, uh, seven to nothing. But as you heard me talk about uh, Jalen Johnson, and again, I hate having to keep bringing this up, but you keep hearing about how, I mean, there was even a rumor this week that the Bears had put an offer on the table and that Johnson was going to sign it. And I guess that turned out to be nothing because nothing happened uh, there. But you keep hearing about Jalen Johnson and how how well he's played, especially in the second half uh, of the season, and how that's going to get him paid, and how you know he's you know he's a second round pick, so he's uh, he's in his fourth season, which means he's a free agent uh, after the season, and blah blah blah, and how he thinks he's the best corner in the league, and I think he's playing outstanding football, and I think that uh, he is definitely worthy of the thirty three uh, that he wears for sure. But when he keeps talking about getting paid like Jalen Ramsey-type money, uh, it's not really even so much that he doesn't make the plays. I mean, that's obviously irritating enough. It's just, like I said, every time that he doesn't make one of those plays, for some reason, that just opens the gate for everything else to happen afterwards. You know, the, like I said, the pick six against the Lions, we were up 7 nothing. He takes that where it's you know it's fourteen nothing and we've sucked all the air out of the stadium after a ninety six yard pick six uh, for a touchdown. Uh, that game against the uh, Vikings, it was just like in a, in a game like that where points were at such a premium, where the where the only touchdown of the game wasn't scored until there was like four minutes to go in the fourth quarter. A pick six would have made a huge difference in that game. Running that back, you know, it made the game a, a lot more exciting than it needed to be. If if we don't, uh, if we get those points, the Bears probably cruise to a win over the Vikings instead of having to do it the way we did. And then, of course, today he doesn't come down with that interception. And on the very next play, Flacco finds uh, Amari Cooper for 42 yards. That opens the floodgate for them to be able to answer our touchdown drive with one of their own. So, because, um, let me pull up their play here real quick. Let me see if I can find that throw to Amari. Yeah, Amari Cooper. So, it was second and seven. It was a pass intended for Cooper that Jalen Johnson does not come down with. And on the very next play, third and seven. So, another th- a third down opportunity here. Uh, pass uh, deep right f- to Amari Cooper uh, from the from the 42 For 42 yards, so they went from their 31 to our 27. So now they're deep uh, in our own uh, territory. And then you also heard me complaining about the penalties. That one on fourth and two was was terrible. 
that. I mean, it's just they brought in DTR, maybe thinking they were going to do some kind of run RPO type uh, play, and instead he immediately does the quick screen out to the to the running back. And if if not for that hold, whoever was being held, like I don't remember who it was. I don't think it was Jalen Johnson. It was probably Tyreek Stevenson or maybe Terrell Smith. But you know, whoever was being held probably makes the tackle and stops the play. But instead, because he was being held, um, and like I said, egregiously, like you see his hand, you see the shirt being pulled, uh, the whole nine yards, no flag uh, on the play. They get a first down. Three plays later, uh, Flacco finds Njoku in the end zone for the touchdown. And I don't know how they'll ever be able to explain to me how his heel coming down out of bounds still makes that. Because they reviewed it. They review every scoring play, and somehow it was a confirmed touchdown call uh, despite the fact that his cle- there, there were a couple of angles that I saw where you see him clearly and his heel is on, in the white paint. That's out of bounds. That's an incomplete pass, but instead, you know, it goes against the Bears, and it's a touchdown, and it, we're, tied at, uh, we're tied at seven. So, yeah, that was a uh, an aggravating set of uh, – Aggravating set of downs there. And then I didn't even mention, at the end of the second quarter, the Bears have the football with about a minute to go. We go 61 yards in 10 plays, and we get into uh, Cleveland territory. We're at their 37-yard line, which uh, is about a 55-yard field goal attempt, which is on the bleeding edge of Cairo Santos's range. And rather than going for the field goal after the Bears uh, failed to get any closer on third down, because it was third and four uh, from the 37, we tried to go to Mooney, and the pass didn't get caught. And so now it's fourth and four. It's There's five seconds to go. And um, it would be a long field goal. And instead of trying to kick the field goal, we go for the Hail Mary. And even though it's it goes down as an interception, I have a feeling that the statisticians, when they get a chance to really review it, will reverse that because he did not catch the ball. But um, nonetheless, we went for the Hail Mary, and we don't get it. And um, we decide not to take the points there. And when Iberflus is asked about it by the sideline reporter after – uh, halftime, he said, because we were kicking into the wind, uh, he classified where we were as about seven yards outside of Santos's field goal range. So, and while I will give him the fact that the uh, the field goals that were kicked in this game were all kicked going the opposite way, um, it's the last play of the half. What what difference does it make? So, uh, yeah, he, I know it's hindsight and all that, but it's like, even when we were going for the hill, it's like, we're not going to try for the field goal. What, what, what are we doing? You know, we're not going to try for the field goal. We're going to go for the, you know, for the Hail Mary and blah, blah, blah. it's just, uh, it's the fact that Eberflus never gets these calls right. That hurts him more than anything else because it, it and obviously it sends everybody off and in, into second guessing his decision-making and, and whatnot, and especially when you had a chance to kick a field goal and then you end up losing the game by the three points you didn't try to get. It's the last play of the half, you know. Unless something disastrous happens, it's either good or it's not, and the result is the same. It's 7-7 or the Bears were up 10-7 at the half. One of the two things is going to happen, and in the end, it was... The, we didn't go for the field goal, and now they're going to spend the whole week second-guessing that call because we lost the game by three, and that was our other best opportunity to score. So, yeah. So I didn't even mention that in the second quarter, knee-jerk reaction. I, mean, I think I squoze in enough with the, the missed opportunities, the uh, you know the, the, going, the plays not going our way, Jalen Johnson and – and not not so much his inability to make the plays, but the fact that every time he doesn't, something bad happens right after that. So sometimes almost literally immediately after. In the three examples that I gave, two times 
huge plays came off the heels of him not making that play. So, yeah. So, but we get into the second half. And they showed a nice little graphic showing that, like, since week, uh, since week nine or so, the Bears uh, hold a 36 to nothing advantage in the third quarter over our opponents. And this quarter, uh, this third quarter, was no different. Um, because, uh, like I said, I, I make myself look like a genius by basically making a, a correct prediction as far as uh, mistakes and capitalization of them uh, because the Bears did so almost immediately, and it kind of set the tone for the third quarter. And, uh, you know, we came into the part, you know, through the quarter, we're looking at the going into the fourth quarter, things are going well, the defense is humming, and we've, we're up by 10 in a game where having a 10-point lead could be insurmountable with the way these two defenses we're playing. <laughs> Knee-jerk reaction, third quarter, Bears, Browns, and you can call me a prophet because uh, we had some capitalization on mistakes made here uh, in the third quarter. After a really bad-looking three and out uh, for the Bears, they punt the ball almost immediately uh, to the Browns. And then almost immediately in that drive, uh, Flacco throws a pass down the middle. TJ Edwards with a nice hit. Ball gets popped up into the air. Caught by Tremaine Edmonds run in for a 40-plus yard touchdown. And that's how the Bears get on the board to start the second half. Just like that. And later on uh, in, the, in the quarter, uh, the defense uh, forces another punt uh, out of the Browns. And for the second time today, Trent Taylor bobbled or muffed a punt. The first one he was able to uh, recover. This one he was not. And it, it looked like it was capitalization of a mistake on the behalf of the Browns because they had the ball inside the red zone to start. And with the way the Beach defense has been playing uh, today, that just seemed like that was the only way you're going to score. That's how the Bears scored their first touchdown. They needed a pick six to score their second one. Here it was, is laid out in, you know, on a silver platter for the Browns, but Tyreek Stevenson makes an amazing play uh, on a pass for Njoku, who was wide open. Like the defense laid itself out perfectly for what the Browns were wanting to do on that play. Njoku was open from the snap of the ball, but Tyreek Stevenson comes off of his receiver, steps in front of, or dives actually, dives in front of the pass to intercept it, gets the ball to about the 35 yard line or so, giving the Bears decent field position. And that's where we are now. The Bears are on that drive at the moment. On third and eight, um, Roshan Johnson got about seven and a half yards. So the Bears have a decision to make. Will they go for it on fourth and one and or half a yard or, or whatever? Or uh, I'm not actually not even sure where we're at with the ball right now. But let's see how it goes. The Bears are up 10, 17 to 7. <laughs> so the Bears were at the 33-yard line of Cleveland when it was uh, fourth and one. So it would have been about a 50-yard field goal. And again, we're going in the same direction. No, actually, we were going in the opposite direction. Well, actually, I'm, I'm wrong. We were going in the opposite direction, but that was that third down play was the final play of the of the third quarter. So the first play of the fourth quarter, we're going into the wind again that Eberflus didn't want to go what didn't want to try to kick the field goal for uh for Santos with. And that was yeah, the Cleveland thirty seven yard line. So it would have been about a fifty five Yard kick, kicking from the 33, it's about a 50, 51 yard kick. So if a 55 yard kick into the wind was seven yards out of uh, Santos's range, according to Eberflus, then this would have been a, then we would have uh, needed to be about another, would have needed to be about the, another three yards at the 30 to go for the field goal. But, the Bears come out, and I and I th- was going to try to look at the play uh, again because for me it just seemed like there were so many things that went wrong on this play, and we still looked like we were going to be able to get the first down, and then uh, one of the defenders comes flying out of nowhere and gets a literal shoelace tackle on Fields, 
who stumbles and then can't get far enough to get the first down. And it, it, it like I said, it looked like one of those plays, like it just got blown up is, is what it kind of looked like. Uh, I wish I could go back and look at it again. Um, but it just, uh, yeah, it looked like one of those plays where it would, it would, what was supposed to happen was uh, nixed immediately. We all went to, into plan B mode. Fields looks like he's going to try and run for it. And in a split second, like when it just, in, in a moment there, DJ Moore, who was blocking initially, gets off of his receiver, starts running downfield when he sees Justin Fields on the move. And I'm like, throw the ball to Moore, throw it to Moore, throw it to Moore. And instead, he tucks it in. He's going to run now. And that's when the defender came in there, just barely got his foot. And he's tripling, tripping, bumbling, stumbling, and, you know, tries to extend the football, but is short. And that's kind of where it all turned for the Bears. The first play of the fourth quarter, the Browns end up, you know, stopping the Bears. That becomes a field goal drive for them. So capitalization on the Bears not being able to convert on the fourth down. Uh, also capitalization on Eberflus yet again, not trusting his kicker who's having a Pro Bowl season. And by the way, hasn't missed yet from 50 yards this season. And this wasn't a 55-yard kick. This was more of a 50-51-yard kick. So we've seen him make that kick a few times. And he's done it in Soldier Field where wind conditions can be as bad, if not worse, than anything he could have faced in Cleveland uh, today. But, uh, you know, never mind that. Never mind that, that he kicks in Chicago in Soldier Field for a living, which is notoriously tough to kick in because of the wind and the lakefront and all that kind of stuff. And here he is doing it in Cleveland. Now, all of a sudden, we don't want to kick in uh, to the wind. You don't trust your kicker all of a sudden. And, uh, yeah. And that that call, once again, backfires for the second time. We don't go for a field goal in a game we lost by three freaking points. But what happens? Cleveland, they drive it down the field, and they kick a field goal. So now it's a one score game, and then it becomes a defensive struggle again. We trade punts again, and then uh, in the fourth quarter. Yeah. I'll talk about it here because I don't mention it in the uh, in the knee-jerk reaction because um, I was more talking about what happened in the final moment there. But, um, yeah, on a second and four from their own – 49-yard line. Flacco threads the needle. Threads the needle. A great throw from him to uh, to Cooper. And it was one of those plays where one guy's got a shot at it. It was Jaquan Brisker. He couldn't make the play. And Amari Cooper was off the races uh, after that. And the only thing that he had to do was make sure he stayed in, stayed in bounds as he tight-roped his way down the sidelines for 51 yards and a touchdown, and just like that, it's tied. Three minutes to go in the fourth quarter. It's tied at 17. And, uh, yeah, we all know how the game ended, so I'm going to go ahead and play the uh, the knee-jerk reaction, and then we'll talk about it. <laughs> knee-jerk reaction, fourth quarter, Bears, Browns, and... <laughs> oh, my God. The Bears had to go for a Hail Mary because we blew the lead in the in the fourth quarter. Uh, it all started with that fourth and one uh, play where I, I will get more in depth with it later. But it just, yeah, it all, the bad luck started from there because then the, the, uh, the Browns came back, took the lead uh, with about 40 seconds to go in the game. The Bears, one chance, no timeouts were... Able to get a really nice play out of Tyler Scott to get us into Brown's territory, but we're still only at about the 40, which is something like a, you know, 59, 60. Actually, it may have been more than that. Um, we may have been about the 45 or something like that. But nonetheless, Hail Mary going for it all on the last play. Fields puts it in the end zone. 
it gets ricocheted off that big, you know, sea of bodies. And who's there but Darnell Mooney. As he's falling to the ground, the ball lands in his hands, and he doesn't come down with it. In fact, he does what Robert Tunyon did earlier in the game and bobbles the ball up into the air where it is picked off uh, in the end zone. So Justin Fields threw two interceptions today, both of them off of uh, Hail Marys. And in fact, one of them, the first one before halftime, probably be taken off of his stat sheet when uh, the NFL offices get a hold of it because that guy did not catch the ball. But... Nonetheless, what was a 17 to 7 lead going into the fourth quarter is a 20 to 17 loss uh, for the Bears. We fall to five and nine. That probably puts to bed any thoughts about making uh, the playoffs. And um, you know, we can still win these last three games: Arizona, Atlanta, and at the very least, we got to win that Green Bay game. But we had it. We had it, and we let it go. <laughs> Poor Darnell Mooney, man. Guy's having a tough year. Um, you know, he hasn't been as big a part of the offense. Uh, well, more so the last two years uh, since Getze, uh came in. You're kind of wondering why we weren't using Darnell Mooney uh, as much uh, last year. This year, you can kind of see it with the emergence or the, you know, the fact that DJ Moore is one of the 10 best receivers in the league, and he happens to be playing for us. This year and playing like it, you know, 70 plus catches over a thousand yards uh, receiving uh, on the season uh, and everything. So, sure, he was probably going to be getting the lion's share uh, of the catches. And you know, it, it almost seems like it's a rare thing anytime the Darno Mooney catches uh, a football. And uh, today, you know, I, I don't think he caught any or maybe he had some targets. Uh, in there, let's see. Darno Mooney two catches on eight targets. So, and I'm I'm I I think a few of those were like overthrows or throwaways or you know whatever. But two catches, fourteen yards on on eight targets, and that last one, you just you got to make that play in that situation. My God, man, you have to come down with it. Um, you know, obviously he he got asked about it by the media and he said uh, I wish I wasn't falling down that would have made it easier to catch well that's probably true but uh, what happened was as he's falling down that ball falls into his hands and I think his natural instinct to bring the ball in is kind of what did him in because I think that's what caused the ball to get bobbled was that he didn't have a good amount of control, but your first instinct is, especially in a situation like that, and this is me kind of defending Mooney, but the ball fall, falls into his hands as he's falling to the ground. So he's doing two things at once, if you will. And when that ball comes into his hands, your initial reaction, your natural reaction in that moment is to bring the ball in, to bring the ball in, but he doesn't really have it. So when he comes to bring the ball in, it basically just turns that into like one of those water snakes, you know, that balloon, the water snake balloons, you, no matter how much you squeeze it, it goes squirting out of your hands. That's pretty much what happened with the football to the point where he ends up like kicking the ball into the air, and that's where it got picked off by one of the Browns to uh, to end the game. But that right there, for me, is kind of proof positive as to this was a not-meant-to-be kind of year for the Bears because uh, – yeah, we've we've just this is the third time this year that we've had a double digit lead in the fourth quarter whether it was like this game and the Broncos game where it started like that or like we were only up one score going into the fourth quarter against the Lions but we immediately made it a two score game and then added to the lead to go from 9 to 12 before pissing it all away and uh you know like I said in the NFC those three games would make a huge difference. If 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 the Bears get those three games that they should have won, you know, we should have held on against Denver, we should have held on against Detroit, and we should have won today. Uh eight and six. Yeah, we're we're the sixth seed right now ahead of the Vikings. 
we would be the six seed because the five seeds the Cowboys at ten and four. So yeah, we're we're not catching the Cowboys, but at eight and six, we'd be the six seed right now, which basically sets us up for a rematch with the Lions at this point in Detroit, which I would be very interested to see. So I, I don't think I think the Lions would be terrified to see us uh, in the uh, in Ford Field in their first playoff game in thirty years. But uh, yeah, so like I said, we're though we're we're talking about two different. Two completely different seasons, two completely different conversations that we're having right now. We're probably not nearly as much having to face questions about Justin Fields' future uh, with the team. We're not talking about Eberflus getting fired or anything like that. Uh, you know, maybe that's a minority amongst the fan base. You know, get rid of this guy, blah blah blah. But if we hang on to and or win those three football games it, it, it kind of takes a lot of steam of the argument against Eberflus and, and, and things like that but the fact of the matter is we had those games in hand and we let them go we let them go two of those games we had the lead going into the fourth quarter and in both of those games the the wash excuse me the uh the Broncos and the Browns we went scoreless in the fourth quarter and the defense that had been playing so well all day long uh, folded. And I really wouldn't say that the defense so much folded in this game, but it's just, man, it was just the, the offense did them no favors uh, in this game. You know, the, the Bears went three and out just about every time we had the ball in the fourth quarter. So, because we ran one play at the end of that first drive when we, when we, uh, Went for it on fourth down. That was the last play of our last third quarter drive. And then after that, it's punt, three plays, punt, six plays on 14 yards on six plays, punt. Then that was the touchdown drive for the Browns that took the, uh, or that tied the game. Three plays, negative two yards, punt before the Bears go into the two minute. And, uh, you know, we get, uh, from about the 35 to the 30, because we were at the 45. So it would have been a 63-yard field goal. So nobody's nobody's hating on Eberflus for not taking that chance, okay? We didn't kick a 50-yarder. We didn't kick a 55-yarder, but we're going to kick a 63-yarder. I mean, just fire him before he even gets on the bus if that's if he does that. If he if he throws his nose up at two shorter field goals but goals for what what, what for 50 years was an NFL record, Fire him immediately. But instead, he goes for the Hail Mary, which in that sense, in that instance, made a lot more sense. But you have those other two opportunities. When you go for it on fourth and one and you you know say we're not going to kick a 50-yard field goal, uh, and especially for a kicker, like I mentioned, Santos is six for six for 50 yards or more this season. And I'm sure more than one of those kicks happened in Soldier Field in Chicago, where it's difficult to kick all the time. But, yeah, because we're in a different stadium and whatnot, and we're just, we're going to, you know, we're not going to do it. We're going to Hail Mary it or go for it on fourth down. And I just, and actually, you know, I was just making a comparison. I don't begrudge the decision to go for it on fourth down. I'm all for it. Okay, I had no problem with us going for it on fourth down. Cleveland's just got an outstanding defense, and they made the play. Because, I, I, like I said, I need to go back and look at that play again. But from what I remember watching it live, it, it almost seemed like plan A was blown up almost immediately, and then it became schoolyard ball, and that defender just got Justin Fields just enough so that he would stumble and fall short of the line to gain and uh you know and everything so yeah that was uh i mean i give more credit to the cleveland defense uh for the way that they uh played today and um yeah they've been the best unit in football all season uh and today you see you see why but uh you know and our unit played like it played you know played fantastic but played like an Eberflus team where you know if we could just play a 60-minute football game, we might actually 
have done some really nice things uh, this season. So, because we, you know, took a quarter off against the uh, Broncos way back, you know, earlier in the season. Uh, we pissed away that lead against the uh, Lions. Hell, we played the Lions again last week. We had that disastrous uh, second quarter where the Lions scored two touchdowns and we couldn't get anything going on offense. Thankfully, we t- we our, uh, our bad quarter was a bit more well-timed uh, this time around. Uh, than uh, than it was the the previous time, and then here we are for the third time this season with a double digit fourth quarter lead. Uh, we end up uh, giving it away. So yeah, so the Bears uh, lose this one. The Browns are nine and five and are securely uh, firm in their. Uh, they're still the top wild card team in the AFC right now. The Bears fall to five and nine. We are two and six on the road. And uh, like I said, uh, I'm pretty sure we can just go ahead and forget about the postseason at this point. So, but it was an AFC loss, so it doesn't hurt our conference standings, or it's you know it's not going to hurt us with any tiebreakers or anything like that. But uh, we should have had this one, and we let it get away. So, there you go, guys. That's going to do it for the Week 15 review. Let's go ahead and wrap this thing up with everybody's favorite segment: Bear up, bear down. Bear up, bear down for week number 15 as we wrap up this review episode. And I'm sure that uh, some of you are hoping that there would be more of a meltdown slash explicit uh, type episode. And I just, it it just didn't have it in me today because I'm not as angry as I was after, say, the Lions game or, uh, or anything like that. Because I just, I don't know. I, I guess it, it, it felt more like it was, um, you know, luck. Or, or maybe I'm just tired of it, you know, because it was uh, Eberflus passing on the field goals uh, earlier on uh, in the game, you know, leaving points on the field or at least not really even trying uh, for the points. I, mean, I don't know, man. It just, it just didn't really feel like something that was overly frustrating uh, of a game. You know, it was a defensive back and forth. Uh, you know, like I said, when I adopted the theme of it's not so much about who's making the mistakes, but who's capitalizing on them, I guess that made this an easier pill uh, to swallow because Cleveland has been legit the best unit in football all season long. We got to see that up close and personal today. And, you know, we matched them shot for shot just about the entire way but couldn't make the uh and so it was going to come down to the to which offense was going to be able to make the play and in the end it was the veteran Joe Flacco uh leading his team uh to victory so yeah I don't know maybe it's it's it much as it sucks giving up another uh double digit fourth quarter uh lead especially with the way the defense was playing I don't know I guess it just made it easier to 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 swallow it's not as you know, pull your hair out frustrating as uh, some other games have been uh, this year. So, but speaking is speaking of uh, how well the defense has been playing, my three bear ups uh, today, and there were just three uh, Montez Sweat. I don't know how you don't put him on this list. The guy's been an absolute beast for us. And I love that uh, during the broadcast, they were talking about how Montez Sweat's six and a half sacks for his time in Washington before the trade he still has the team lead in sacks right now and with the two and a half sacks that he got today that puts him at six since he's been a bear which is also good for leading the team uh this season so he already he's leading he may finish the season leading two franchises uh as a you know being the sack leader for two different teams by the time the uh by the time the season ends, which I think is, uh, well, he's going to get more sacks before the season ends uh, in Chicago. But uh, if the six and a half that he had going into week nine uh, this year is uh, going to win the season for the commanders, especially when your head coach is a guy like Ron Rivera, that's uh, that's no good. That's no bueno. So, uh, yeah, but uh, interesting. But 
he was amazing uh, today and, uh, you know, just looks like Ryan Poles really made the right call when he picked Sweat over Young uh, in, uh, you know, at the trade deadline to bring him in, got him paid and locked him up, even though everybody was freaking out about the fact that he didn't automatically sign an extension the moment that he got to Chicago. He signed one a few days later so everyone can relax. It's not going to be where we rent him for nine weeks and then he goes and gets paid by somebody else. He's ours for the foreseeable future. He belongs to us. And uh, things look like they're going to be pretty great with him on the team. Uh, Bear up to TJ Edwards, who's just been an animal for us all year long. He sparked the the deflection that uh, fell in Tremaine Edmonds' hands. So bear up to him, who was basically our entire offense in the second half. Because the uh, the offense only managed three points on its own uh, today. Uh, the other was uh, Eddie Jackson, uh, who damn near ran it in for a touchdown. And then the uh, Tremaine Edmonds pick six to, to start the third quarter. So, you know, trust uh, Edmonds led the team uh, in tackles today. And, uh, you know, was the middle linebacker for a defense that gave up 26 yards on 18 carries. Uh, today so just an amazing uh, afternoon for the linebackers and for sweat uh, in this one bear down Jalen Johnson my man you are one of the better corners in this league 100% and you deserve to get a hefty bag thrown your way uh, this offseason hopefully you will take the one that the Bears give you because they're going to give you fair market Value Ryan Poles isn't overpaying for anybody. I think uh, just this past year's free agency period has proven that. When he passed on guys like Javon Hargrave and Mike McGlinchey because they went for whoever was going to pay them the most instead of going someplace that they could, you know, be a part of and contribute and you know lay the groundwork for winning championships and stuff like that. Uh, so instead of paying Mike McGlinchey seventeen or eighteen million dollars to keep him to get him to come to Chicago, he decides to go to Denver, and we draft Darnell Wright. I think that uh, worked out pretty great uh, for us. And uh, instead of signing Jervon Hargrave for about twenty million a season, uh, we instead drafted. Uh, we signed Andrew Billings. We drafted Gervon Dexter and Zach Pickens. And Javon Dexter had another half sack uh, today and really looks like he's becoming a menace uh, in the middle uh, for us. Zach Pickens, I wish we'd see him out there more because he is he is underrated as far as how the Bears are using him, which is aggravating because this is the coaching staff that picked him. But nonetheless. But as I digress, Jalen, I want you to get paid. Uh, but uh, if if you want that 20 mil plus money, if you want to set the market at cornerback so that your contract is the one that everybody's trying to uh, earn for themselves and whatnot, you got to make those plays, man. You have to. And I know it was contested and all that kind of stuff, but you had your hands on it. And And like I said, it's not so much that he doesn't make the plays – it's what happens after he doesn't make the plays. You know, the touchdown in Detroit, the pick six that he dropped in Minnesota in a game where we didn't score any touchdowns. And how much, how much easier would that have made that game uh, for us? The, uh, you know, and then the one today, the very next play is a 40-plus yard pass that opened the floodgates for uh, the Browns to tie the football game. This happens over and over and over again. When you don't make the plays that need to be made, somebody else will make another one. And it's happened almost every single time. So I'm not saying you don't deserve to get paid. I'm saying you don't deserve to get paid like the best. Like the best. You deserve to get paid 100%. 18 mil, that's my ceiling. You're not getting 20, 21, 22. That's... You're, you're not making those plays. You are not making those plays. It's the Allen Robinson conversation all over again. Is $2 million worth letting him go to another team? Yes, because it's about what that money says. 
Okay. And if you think I'm being loud about it now, let him get $22 million from the bears and have him have another pick six fall into his hands. Then you see how pissed off I'll really be. Cause then I'll be the, I told you so guy and who likes listening to the, I told you so guy. Okay. Who likes being the, I told you so person. If you do, you're an asshole. Okay. I don't like being the, I told you so guy, but the first pick six that Jalen Johnson drops next season when he's made 22 million a season or whatever. And the very next play, something else happens that could have been avoided. If he'd have just caught the damn ball, I'm going to be the, I told you so guy. And you guys are going to hate me for it. So yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Jalen Johnson got to make those plays, bro. Cause it, uh, it opened the floodgates to something that shouldn't have happened because you should have caught it. Uh, bear down to uh, Matt Eberflus. I don't know, man. Like I said, it, it really just kind of starting to feel like this was a not-meant-to-be type season, and it's really starting to look like a not-meant-to-be type situation for Matt Eberflus, period. Nothing has gone right. He started coaching when our general manager was starting a rebuild, so obviously you're going to take some lumps and you're going to take a lot of losses in that first year. But we had a night and day roster improvement throughout the offseason and the first seven, eight weeks of the season, we were an absolute dog shit nightmare of a football team. Giving up 25 plus points per game uh, for 14 games in a row, the 14 game losing streak and uh, and all that kind of stuff. Not to mention the stuff that was happening in house with Alan Williams uh, getting fired. I'm still dying to know what the hell that was all about. And then the guy, with the HR violations, another one of the coaches that got canned uh, throughout the season. And it just seems like every time a decision like this comes along, you pick the wrong one. You make the wrong pick. And going for it on fourth down, which I was fully in support of, but it doesn't work. You don't take the field goal, and we miss and we lose the game by three points. Not going for the field goal uh, in, in at the end of the first half, when, yeah, it would have been a long field goal, so what if he misses it? Kicking that field goal is a more high percentage play than the Hail Mary. Okay? And I'm sure the analytics would back me up on that. So I'm sure the analytics would back up a guy that hasn't missed from 50 yards or more all season long being able to make that field goal over us attempting a Hail Mary, which is a low percentage play that almost never gets converted. Yeah, so maybe it's your bad luck. Maybe you're just a bad coach, but you made all the wrong decisions today, Matt. Even though you're a hell of a defensive coordinator, or at least that's what you're turning out to be, uh, anything, your defense is uh, playing outstanding. Three more turnovers and uh, and all that kind of stuff. The Bears went from not being able to get a turnover to save their lives to leading the league in interceptions at this point. Bananas. The turnaround that we've had in the last five, six weeks is unbelievable. But, uh, yeah, as the head coach, you made some huge mistakes that ended up hurting us. Uh, bear down, Trent Taylor, my man. Two muffs in the, sing- in the same game. Uh, you dropped the one that became a, you know, your defense bailed you out for sure. And I love when the uh, announcer said, that's the happiest man in Cleveland right there was they, they showed Trent Taylor on the sideline after Tyreek Stevenson, uh, his interception canceled out the uh, his fumble. But that could have broken the game wide open. Like I said, with the way the teams have been playing, we're playing defense today, uh, them scoring that touchdown there could have been catastrophic for us. So, yeah, and you did it twice. You did it twice in this game. So, bear down to you. And then finally... Bear down to our run offense. Um, you know, maybe that's on on Getzey and his play selection because I I don't understand what it is about Getzey that makes him continually run between the tackles when we clearly are a much better outside run, outside zone type of uh running offense. Any time that the Bears were able to get any kind of traction, aside from like maybe two runs from Roshan Johnson, we either got stuffed or we got tackles for loss. Not to mention that one third down play where we tried to get cute and do the quick handoff to uh 
to um, Tyler Scott that got stuffed for a four-yard loss because everybody knew that's when Tyler Scott was coming across the formation that he was going to get the ball. Um, yeah, so it just uh, just terrible, terrible, you know. And uh, it, it, there's so many things that go wrong. Roshan Johnson had five carries for 36 yards. He outrushed the Cleveland Browns by himself today. So did Justin Fields, seven carries for 30 yards. But that was more from scrambling than design runs uh, today. But, you know, five carries, 36 yards from Roshan Johnson. But the problem there is more the number five than it is the number 36. Five carries for 36 yards. Why aren't we running with Roshan more? Because Khalil Herbert and uh, Deontay Foreman, and I have no ill will towards either one of these guys because they're the ones that get to try to run into a wall of humanity between the tackles, uh, between the two of them, 12 carries, two yards. Because Khalil Herbert had eight yards on six carries. Deontay Foreman had negative six yards on six carries. So six, <laughs> so eight plus negative six is two yards on 12 carries. Roshan Johnson, five yards, 36 yards. Five carries, 36 yards. 7.2 yards per carry. Yeah. So, but let's not get Roshan too involved in the running game because that might actually start to look like something after a while. But that's also been a question for weeks and weeks and weeks, and that's just, you know, the problem that is Luke Getze and, uh, you know, his failure to use guys properly and, all that kind of fun stuff. So let's just go ahead and end it there. We lost the game 20 to 17, fall to five and nine. You can probably stop with the conversations about playoff runs and everything. I would still like to see us win out against Atlanta, Arizona, and Green Bay. But we'll see how it goes uh, now. So come on back tomorrow while we do the week 15 review. I will take a deeper look at the Bears. Browns game because that is one of my pick six games that I featured so we'll be talking about that one a little bit more in depth we'll have the all out blitz and everything else so come back tomorrow for the fourth phase week 15 review and until then my name is Larry D and this has been Bears Talk Underground